0: Well, I'm excited to be here. I've uh, had the privilege of meeting many of you yesterday and having fun. So thanks for welcoming us here. Um, If you didn't know, we came a long way. We came from Michigan a couple years ago. So everywhere we go is new and fresh. It's like vacation, but scary all the time. So we get to meet some awesome people. Uh, But I'm definitely excited to celebrate Jesus with you guys. Uh, It's really important that uh, we stay as a body, no matter what church you go to. And finding that out more and more just in my life, that we can extend the kingdom of God together as a family and show the world that the living hope that lives inside of us is real. It transforms hearts and lives. And I I brought a spread today because I have a message on the Love Feast. If you've never heard of the Love Feast, you're about to. But um, we did a two-month series at at Hope about uh, the two greatest commands, to love God with all your heart and to love others. And so we closed it off. I actually had a message last week, I hope, that God just had me totally set it aside for another day. And he gave me a message that I I knew in my heart I was to share last week and this week here. So I apologize to Adam that he's going to hear a lot of the same stuff. But he said, hey, it's a little different. Last week we had fried chicken. This week I have a rotisserie. And so, um, and this is for feasting afterwards. You just don't try to eat the corn. It hasn't been cooked yet. Uh, But I I also wanted to thank uh, your pastor, even though he's not here. Uh, Pastor Dan and Mary have really helped welcome us into this area. You guys have made us feel loved and many others, and it's really, really been awesome. And uh, it's really been an encouragement to, to feel the love that he has given us and our friendship. So I'm excited about that. And I pray for him right now. I went to Disney World a couple years ago. And it, here's how it normally is. You know, you wake up. I woke up and I'm, I get up before everybody else in my family. I would run. I'd read the Bible, get the kids all in the stroller. And I'm pushing them. By the end of the day, they're pushing me in the stroller. That's what I was hoping for, but it didn't happen. And so I'm hoping Dan gets that, where he can kind of drool on the way back to the car, let the kids push him in the stroller. Uh, but that, that's what was what it was like for us. But anytime uh, we get to get away... You guys work hard. Pastor Dan and, and Mary work very hard. And so pray for them that they can be refreshed and, and to close their heart off to any distraction. Just have fun as a family. It's really important. Um, but before we jump in, I did want to say that yesterday was awesome. It's amazing to serve God. And it's just awesome to, to see people's face light up with, when you just show them love. And it's really simple. Extending the kingdom of God is really simple. We complicate it. We try to get programs and methods, but really it's, how you doing? How's your day going? And you can begin a conversation and tra- uh, change lives. But I also got to meet many of you guys and working side by side and also handing out the waters and washing people, uh, people's cars. I realized there were several oxymorons going on yesterday and maybe one moron that was, that was there, but that might have been me. But uh, we had several oxymorons. The first one was free stuff. If we had have said car wash for a hundred dollars, we probably would have got more people. Uh, but people go free stuff. I don't know. There's a catch. And the, when they finally came in, they were always every one of them got their wallet out and we're like, we don't you don't need any money. We just wanted to tell you that we love our community and we're two churches partnering together. And that's the second oxymoron is two churches in unity. It doesn't happen often. Seriously, uh, what we got going on is going to cause breakthrough in our community. It's amazing. Seriously, I I haven't seen it like this, and it's only the beginning. The third one is Adam Henderson, a Texan who doesn't barbecue. I was blown away. So I'm just going to have to have him come over. I can show him a thing or two. Uh, (laughs) You can start with this right there. (laughs) He he got near the grill, and he looked like, what am I going to do? I thought, oh, my. No, it was a blast. You guys are blessed here with some great people uh, just a little background i'd like to share a little bit so you kind of we can kind of relate if I just want to share a little of our background just for a minute, but uh, my wife and I grew up in Flint, Michigan, and my mother in law is here as well and she 's the reason we got saved but that 's a whole different story that i won 't get too much but we grew up in, a, in homes that were far from God because we just we hadn 't encountered his love yet, and we were a relational uh, experience ready to happen. We were broken, addicted to, to different things, uh, hopeless in, in all ways. I grew up in a very abusive and dysfunctional home, and I escaped it with drugs and alcohol. But at 21, and I met my wife in school, and we started dating. And, um, but at 21, her parents got saved and introduced us to Jesus. And that's, it's been an awesome ride ever since. I mean, it just immediately uh, set free. Uh, immediately just things broken off. But then they began the work of the transformation, transforming your mind the way you think. And that's what Jesus wants to do. It's not right. OK, you're saved. Now let's go to heaven. It's a lifelong process of growing and encountering him. And then we began to serve at the church. Our first serve. Here's what it was. We got saved in a uh, no other words to say, it, but we met in a bar. So it wasn't a bar. It was a, a rental hall. But. The, the Saturdays before people would rent it for a, a wedding and there would be beer and throw up on the floor. And it was just come and, and let's get that smell out of the air so people can encounter Jesus. And we just showed up with I mean, we didn't want anything but to, to say, how do we serve Christ? And that was it. That, that's what we did. And we were asked to become the youth pastors and uh, served in Flint as youth pastors for about eight years. And then uh, long stories of love, salvation, healings brokenheartedness, pains that come with life, losing people that you love, having questions for God, but in the questions, getting his love just wrapped around your heart. So that's been what uh, has been going on. And then we started to feel a call. And so we uh, stepped down from the youth ministry and sat back for seven months and just asking God, what's next? And all of a sudden I met a guy named Ted Vale who says, call this guy, Gabe Barrero, who says, call this guy, Joe Slaughter. And next thing you know, we're living in the Seattle area It literally happened like so fast. It was like I made a list of all the states I would live in and I crossed Washington out because I didn't know anything about it. But isn't that Jesus? (laughs) All right. That's the one. I literally had this list and I would just look at it. I didn't know anything about it. And I loved the area. The second day we were here when uh, they flew us in to, to say, hey, we're doing this church plant training. Would you like to be a part of it? The second day, the Lord said we'd raise our family here. And that was the scariest thing in the world. 2,400 miles away, we have two little babies. We're going to take them away from Nana and Poppy and everybody else who loves them. And uh, that was tough. But then we moved here and all the doors began to close as far as planting. But we knew God called us here. Sometimes it gives you a word and we always have this picture of what it's going to look like. And then it's something different. Well, and then there's always those that guide you into areas. So Dave Beach, if anybody knows Dave Beach, the area supervisor, sends me an email and says, go speak at this small church in Edgewood. They're, they're uh, having transition. Would they just need somebody for a week. I know he was lying to me. <laughs> now, they didn't need somebody for a week. They needed somebody who felt called. But the moment I walked in the door, I knew. I literally, I walked in the door and said, this is where we're going to be next. And a month later, we were installed and uh, we're loving this area. And uh, I love the fact that we're near each other, honestly, because there's two some million people in this South Seattle area that need Jesus Christ. And there's different flavors of church ministry that are going to reach different people. And so it's really awesome. It's a great thing. Some people don't see it that way, but Dan and I do. And I feel from you guys that you guys do as well. And so that's exciting for me. Uh, so anyway, that's a, a brief introduction, and I'm going to uh, get started here. But the the backdrop drop of a love feast is just strictly based on what they would do in the first century as a church. Uh, but to, before we get there, let's I have it on the slide of Matthew 22:34 through 40. If you can get anything about Jesus, this is what to get. He says this. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. I'll go ahead and give you a second. I always start in and then you get to the spot and you're lost and then you shut the Bible and you never even saw it. So I'm slowing down. One of them, an expert in the law. I love that. Aren't we all experts in the law? They tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. For two months, our Hope Church has been digging into this to really talk about how it looks and what it's like to give God your everything in your life. It's hard. It's hard. But the funny thing is, is giving God all that we have is easier than loving others. So loving God is, is pretty much the easy part. But then you've got to wake up and you've got to look at your neighbor and you've got to look at your coworkers and look at that person who just cut you off in traffic. And you've got you to look at people. And uh, that's where it gets interesting. But that's why Jesus focuses on this. Because as we give our all to the Father, he instills a love in us. And first, uh, first John 419 says that we love because God first loved us. So if he says to love God with all our hearts and to love others, as we love God, he's going to give us the ability to love others. So as we lay out the excuses, I've just never been a people person. Well, Christ says, I'll help you, but I am going to call you to be a people person in many ways. And, uh, so it's challenging. Uh, But genuine love is never uh, self-generated by us. Genuine love comes from the Father because he is love. And everything should start with love. I I am excited to hear about the ministry uh, for the marriages. You want a healthy church? Have healthy marriages. Have healthy families. Raising kids is tough. I mean, I'm over there. Love you, Jesus. Quiet down. You know, that's parenting, right? That's that's the hard stuff but we don't want to do, and we got to work on that because we all come with baggage and different things and i'm excited to hear that marriages are 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 their work but it's amazing and it's fun and you're getting ready to enjoy that next week adam and we're excited for you that's going to be cool uh, but I, I love jesus it's so funny jesus comes and he almost looks like he's the anti god not against god but God says, don't do this, do this, don't do that, do this, do this. And the, the, they were trying to live the law out for so many years, but very liberally, as we all know. So they would pick and choose, just like many do now. But so the, the, the Jews were trying really hard to follow this strict guideline that God lays out there. And Jesus comes and just says, I'll give you two commands. Many people, I mean, realistically, deep down, many people look at God as this fire and brimstone God and Jesus as this humanitarian. And that's trouble because Jesus came as God in person. And so to look at all the do's and don'ts and the sacrifices and all the offerings, you know, they had to tied three times. Think about that. They had three tides that they did. And Jesus says, I, I'll make it easier. I'll, I'll give you one tithe. Thank you, Jesus, the humanitarian, right? That's what we think. But so we think uh, many people have this view that Jesus just came as this great guy and, you know, God was tough and I'll show you how to do this, love others. And, but he was strong and powerful. And that's why the, the world will look at Jesus as just this, you know, he was so loving and no, he challenged, he flipped tables. He, he He was righteous in every way, but he did it in love. And uh, we see through the life and words of Jesus that he is the perfect uh, representation of how God feels about us and towards us and how we can feel towards others. Uh, So as we hear the commands to love God and people, we're given insight into what is really important with God, and that's relationship. Even in the law, it was all about relationship. The law was relational, and it's hard to see that when we look at it as do's and don'ts. But he was saying, that I want you to be close to me, and I'm going to help you do that. And here's how, because I can't stand in unrighteousness. I can't stand with you in sin. And so here's how you can stand with me. That's what God was doing in the law. And it wasn't meant to be this difficult thing that you just did Uh, religiously and it was to get to god and then he sends jesus and becomes the law now we can relate personally now i'm going to fast forward so now we're at the time where jesus died on the cross yes he rose again he gave us life and now paul the the adolf hitler of his day gets saved and starts wrecking everything in an awesome way starts changing lives everywhere he goes And now he went to Corinth and he started a church. And he leaves Corinth and he's wanting to know how this went. When we start to read 1 Corinthians, it's actually at least the second book that was really written. Because in 1 Corinthians, there's uh, insight into communication that had already been going on. So he had been trying to help these people out uh, for a little while now. They were not living out the commands that Jesus laid out. They weren't loving God well and they weren't loving others well. Though this is, uh, as I mentioned, it's 1 Corinthians, it's really a second, at least a second letter that was written to them. So these problems were not going away. They were actually getting worse. So open up to 1 Corinthians 11. This is where we get introduced to the love feast. I have it on the... uh, I, I know my... I'm still learning how to do PowerPoints and get them ready, so... Uh, I had my guy, Nick, all over the place last week. And he's like, can you just give me a printout before and I'll kind of know where you're going? So I apologize. Uh, but I'll read this to you. In the following directives, I have no praise for you. For your meetings do more harm than good. It, that, that's true in a lot of churches. Isn't it? Your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. And no doubt there have been Differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then when you come together, it is not the Lord's supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this manner. This time together was called the Love Feast. We'll see that in a second in Jude 12. But the tradition of the first church was to come together and have a potluck. Communion in the first church was extremely important. You actually had to take a class for almost a year to know what it was meant to be a follower of Jesus. And so they would take you through. And then you could actually come in weekly. They would do this and have communion. This is my really youth pastorist, sad way, non-creative way of having some prop. But this is as creative as I've ever been. So I hope you enjoy it. But this was just to represent this was what communion looked like. So you came in as a family and everybody was supposed to bring whatever you could. If you had a lot of money, you could bring a little bit more. If you didn't, you just came as you are. And that's that's the picture of what it was supposed to look like. And anyone who was following Jesus could come in. Uh, This would insist of the inclusion of all race, society, uh, no matter if they were Jew or Greek, male or female, no matter how much money they had. This was an inclusion of everybody. This was the time to celebrate Jesus in a community setting. So this is what was going on in the first church. And it was supposed to be life changing and powerful. And as you see in Corinthians, it started to get out of whack. Something was wrong. I'm going to just go ahead and read this one. If you want later go to Jude 12, this is where they call it a love feast. These people are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted twice dead. Here we see a deeper blemish. Today we'll look at the exclusiveness of love and what happens when love is torn down and it breaks walls inside of our heart. And, it, and I'm not saying that any of our churches are like this. What I am trying to say is that this happens and it can happen unintentionally. And that's what Paul was writing about. And as it, we'll also see the inclusion and what it really means to have a love feast together. Uh, so my hope is that we can allow our life of love to become a place where we include people in. That it's fully inclusive in everything that we do. And then at the end, I want to take communion together and just unify us in a greater way. Is that awesome? Can I pray? Well, Father, I thank you so much. And I pray, Lord, as we go over these few points, just seeing your word in a fresh and mighty way. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here. We want to be good hosts of your presence. We invite you in in every way, and we ask that you do that work in our hearts, uh, transform us in every single way. We are not professionals. We do not know everything, and we ask that you help us no matter how long we've been following you and how many times we've read a scripture. Open our eyes to see fresh and new in Jesus' name. So here's what the exclusiveness looked like of the love feast. The first one is there was division among them. So they had let their differences of opinions, of prejudices, class judgments. They let all that get in the way. And it began to destroy the relationships. They had certain ways of doctrines that weren't agreed upon. Some thought that uh, you were supposed to follow the Jewish feasts, all the festivals. They had a hard time separating the Jewish life with this new Christian life. And imagine that. I mean, you and I would feel the same way. Uh, God teaches us this. And then Jesus, as a man, came on the earth and he lived this out. And now we're hearing that it's going to be different. We don't have to do all the all these things to get in relationship with him. It's done. He said it is finished. But that's hard. It's hard for us now, isn't it? It's finished. But if I don't read three pages, I feel guilty. We do that. Right. We start setting up these things in our hearts. Uh, But as a church, they were doing this. They were supposed to... Were we supposed to keep circumcising? This was a big thing to the new church. It became a distraction. What about the sacrificial system? To a different degree, we're like this today. We have different beliefs than a Baptist, a Presbyterian, a Methodist. Does God heal? Can you lay hands on me and heal me if I have a wound? Some people would say no. Me, personally, I say, please, pray for me. I I, I like this guy named Bill Johnson. He once said... I will go get prayer if it's for pregnant women. I'm going up and getting prayer. I'll always take prayer, right? And so that's how I am. I'll raise my hand, pray for me. Um, but there was division. So they were letting division come in. The second thing it says is there are shepherds who only feed themselves. Again, 1 Corinthians 11:21 says, For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. See, what they were doing was creating clicks. It's hard not to, right? You like certain people. We like people who like our opinion. And we like to hang around with people that are like us. And so naturally, we can form clicks unless we really work on it. Well, this was happening here with the supper. So it said the rich were eating everything. They were eating everything. And those that had little weren't able to eat. That's a big problem. These clicks were causing uh, the rich uh, to eat, the poor to go without, and it was doing what? It was bringing shame. So if I have nothing and I come to the table, now I don't get to eat anything, I feel even worse. So you bring everything you have and then you eat it. And now I'm leaving this place that I'm supposed to be getting free in more shame. That's a problem. They were leaving hurt and ashamed instead of leaving free. Another thing it says in the word is there are clouds without rain. It's Seattle. We can talk about this, right? (laughs) Too many days there's clouds without rain. Uh, But the people were coming in hoping to hear something about freedom. They were hearing about this Christ who heals. They were hearing about this, this freedom in Jesus and I could be set free and I've heard he healed so many people and I'm going to come in and now I'm waiting for a refreshing Clouds, they bring water. Look at this beautiful green state. It doesn't look like Idaho or Arizona here, right? This is green. It's beautiful. It's because the rain comes and actually the rain falls out of the cloud and refreshes. And so like clouds promising moisture for the parched land, they were false teachers promising soul satisfying truth. But they weren't offering it. And so people came in wanting to hear truth. And they leave feeling ashamed and dry and more parched. They are trees without fruit and uprooted twice. Trees and fruit should offer nourishment and reflect Christ. We are to be asked to be known by our fruits. And as they come in, what fruits were they seeing? So if I want to follow Jesus, I need to be rich. I need to hang out with these people. And I need to believe in this. And then I can be included. That's not what the tree was supposed to happen. It was actually false hope. So they're offering them to come in and sending them out in worse shape. They were wild waves of the sea. I promise you I'm going to get to good news. It's okay. Like wild waves churning up the bottom of the sea, they were stirring up moral filth, strife, and discourse. So a picture of tsunami or, or any of that, when a hurricane comes through, it's not only the land that gets messed up. It's all the coral. It's everything underneath getting, getting stirred around. And uh, all that really breaks up the life on the bottom. And that's what was happening. They were like wild waves that were stirring up this garbage. We've all been around that kind of stuff in our life. And then finally, it says they were wandering stars. Imagine a shooting star It flashes through really fast, gives you a glimpse of hope, and then it's gone into eternal oblivion. That's what was going on here. Their hope was over as soon as they walked in the door. As I read this, I go, these guys were idiots, right? It's obvious when reading it. Why would you do that? Jesus is free. He sets us free. Can't they see they're hurting people? That's what I think when I read it. But then I remember all the times I've been a part of this. I remember all the times I've helped, even not on purpose, playing parts of this in my life. I mean, if we can all be real. If it's not you, maybe it was your neighbor next to you that has done stuff like this. But it's, it's okay to, to let God teach us. And that's what Paul was doing. As we know, he wasn't done with the church in Corinth. He didn't just wipe it out. God ended up moving and transforming lives. So that's why we have a huge movement right now. There's a ton of people that don't go anywhere to church, but they truly honestly believe in Jesus. But They don't believe in us. It's real. It's real. They're sitting back watching podcasts. It's easier than ever to not go to church. But Jesus created community for a reason. And we're going to talk about that. But we got to talk about why people aren't wanting to pull in the driveway of a church for a free car wash. There's something attached this is what will happen if I open my heart to those people once again. This is what's going on in the hearts of people. But, of course, there's a better way. And the love feast was supposed to offer this better way. And I wanted to end by talking about how it could be if we uh, were a place of inclusion, a place that offers love, hope, and freedom in Christ. Not just in our church. It should start in our homes and then in our community, our place of work, and then the church. As we come in on Sunday, it's just a time to go, man, did, you should hear what God did on Tuesday. Man, that guy at work, he hated me for being a Christian. He asked me for prayer today. Stuff like that. That's what we come in together and we get to be a part of this. And that's the first point is unity among us. In Acts 2, the spirit fell when they were in unity. They were together and they wouldn't leave. They would not leave until the spirit fell. That's awesome. John 17:23 says, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. This does not mean that you're going to agree with everybody. You're going to disagree with your church leadership. You're going to disagree with uh, the people around you. But what it does mean is you hold love, honor, and respect at at the forefront. So when you disagree, you disagree, you talk about it. Well, I still love you. Let's have a feast. That's what that's what unity looks like. Unity doesn't mean we all think the same way. And when you don't, you go find another church because maybe they think the way I think. That's not unity. Unity is I don't agree at all, but I'm going to trust you because I am in relationship with you. That's unity. And you move towards the vision and the calling together. I had mentioned I. uh I keep pointing at him because he heard this message last week and I shared this point. But I had met with Nate uh, over at PSCC, he leads worship there. And I just wanted to talk to him and uh, just introduce myself. And this is what we're looking to do. He was sharing some principles about his leadership style of saying, I learned. He said, I learned a long time ago that I'm not trying to get people to do what I feel PSCC is supposed to do. I'm trying to say all of us are looking at Jesus and following him. And it takes the pressure off anybody in leadership, right? You would say, don't just follow me. I'm only trying to follow what we hear. So together, let's do this together. That's inclusive. That's not, I'm just following some man's vision. And it was awesome to hear that from him. And he said, I, I just try to point people on our worship team to say, hey, this is what we feel direction-wise that God's taken us together. And that's how I want to be. Uh, but also unity among the churches within the community, like yesterday. No matter what, uh, Four Square, I don't know if you know this, if you go to Angeles, anybody ever been to Angeles Temple? It's pretty awesome, isn't it? It's unbelievable. It's built in 1923. It survived an earthquake that shattered the inner walls. It's an amazing place. But written right on a stone outside, it says, Interdenominational Ministry. That means, I don't care if you're Presbyterian. Let's feed the homeless. I don't even care if you're Muslim. I'm not following your God. But you're a person, and if I want to reach you somehow, I'll go to the food bank and serve with you. Right? We don't have to be afraid of the enemy because we have the the king of glory. At least just an understanding of each other's roles. At least. If you don't partner, at least just understand there's a place. There's a place. The second thing on this is shepherds who care for the flock. Acts 20.28 says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock, of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. 1 Peter 5, 2 says, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, eager to clean up, throw up, and spill beer in our family's mess, in our neighbor's mess. Here's the deal, though. That's not just talking about pastors. You are a leader if at any time in your life you're pointing anybody to Jesus. Because now all of a sudden you've taken a leadership role of saying, I've heard of the King of Glory. I know where you can find him, and I'm going to point you to him." They're going to look to you now in some form of leadership. So he's talking about you to be a good shepherd of your family, of your neighborhood. I propose that all of us are leaders if you're pointing people to Jesus. And here's the one we're all used to clouds with rain. I'm learning that, you know, I, I said this last week that when it rained a couple of weeks ago, I was like, yeah, I've officially arrived in the Northwest when I'm celebrating rain. This is awesome that maybe it's just me. One guy punched me in the throat when I got done, said, don't ask for rain. That never happened. But be someone who is a refreshing person to be around. You ever been in one of those moods where people get around you and they quickly get away from you? (laughs) We've all done that. But how about when you get around somebody and you just feel like, I feel refreshed. They're a breath of fresh air. And maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you've been looking for a job or maybe you're afraid you're getting let go. And you're just carrying that weight, that burden. And you get around somebody that's carrying the peace of Christ with them. And all of a sudden, your problems don't look as big. That's that's church. That's what we're supposed to be about. It's tough. I'll tell you right now. I uh, I'm looking for a job. I had to move down here. In order to move down here, I had to I had to quit my job. I was it was a mutual thing. Our company does not hire south of Seattle. I worked in Linwood. I did it for two weeks and five hours in a car a day was no fun. So I gladly left. But now I'm just putting in positions. I actually had a job that fell through, but I just trust God. I trust God with all my heart. And uh, so there's stuff in our lives. It doesn't mean that your life's going to be peaceful in all seasons, but it means we have the peace that can come when we're hurting. And we as people can offer that to other people. It's the truth that sets us free. And that's what they were missing. They, they came in looking for a soul-satisfying message. They weren't getting it, but we can offer it. And then there are a fruitful tree. Matthew seven sixteen and 17 says, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. Romans 7, 4. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. All of us know people that claim to, to love Christ but their their fruit isn't there. They're screaming all the time, their negative attitude. There's something missing. There's an element of the relationship that's broken down, even as believers. We go through those seasons, uh, but we don't have to stay in that. We also know some people who love Jesus, and we can see it as a fruit in their life. You know them you don't even they don't have to carry around a big cross and a big Bible, and they don't have to have a bumper sticker. But when you're with them, you just go, something's different about Adam. There's something. And they start to ask, why are you weird? Why are you so different? We're all afraid of this pink slip and you're walking around whistling. What's going on with that? That's what, I, that's what I'm talking about, where people, are, they start to see good fruit in our life. We can choose. We get to choose to be a good fruit. And we can be a calming seed. Have you ever been in a time of chaos? I mean, just uh, you have no idea what you're going to do next. And it's kind of going along with the rest. But then you walk into a, a room and you just feel peace. It just feels different. Everything else around you is still unstable, but you walk in and you feel that peace. Instead of a, a raging uh, wild wave, it's a peaceful calm. If you've ever been to the ocean or uh, the sound at night and it's just quiet and it's peaceful and the water is just flowing. That's what it feels like in God's presence. And as we come together, we should, we should be offering that to others. No matter what happens when they walk in those doors, maybe, may we be a calming sea. This feels like a lot of pressure. We don't get to do We can't do any of this on our own. It's all with Jesus. But we do get to partner with it. But the calm of our inner freedom in Christ brings a soothing comfort to those who come in contact with us. I know this season for us has been um, the, the North Star. The North Star points direction to you. These past three years for my wife and I have been resigning from a place that we loved. We stayed at the church we loved. That's where we got saved. With only a word that God literally, this is the word. God speaks to us in our own voice sometimes. I'm going to move you out of daddy's basement. So what it felt like a little bit being at the church we got saved at. We were comfortable with everybody. It was home. We lived there. And he called us and said, I'm going to move you out of daddy's basement and something's going to change in your heart. And it's been scary. But all those points of meeting Ted Vail and getting around people that were like a North Star, where you just gave them a word of God in the right time, you spoke the right word, or maybe you just prayed with them, or maybe you didn't say anything and you just listened. And all of a sudden, you're actually pointing people right to Christ to hear his voice, and they get to follow the right direction for their life. That's what a North Star should do. And it's always amazing to be around people that will help point you in the right place. And the church should be a place that offers this ability. So you see, we're called to love God. Again, that's the easiest part. The hard part is loving each other. And he goes as far as saying that those far from him will know who we are by how we treat one another. People are going to know whether we're real followers of Christ by how we treat one another and love one another. And then he even says, pray for your enemies. That's a whole nother level. And that's a whole nother sermon. But that's Christ. That's Christ. That's the one on the cross saying, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But if our love is exclusive, it will become class oriented. It'll show a power play and be a place of shame for most people. But when our love is inclusive, it will be a celebration we get to celebrate Christ. It'll be a family atmosphere and not the Adams family. It'll, it'll, be, it'll break barriers of class, race, ethnicity, and everything else. It'll be a place of true healing and acceptance, both in and out of the church. So we have a choice. Do we put love on? Or do we, or do we allow selfishness and destruction to come over? You can come on up, Wayne. We'll go ahead and um, want to get ready with the elements But we don't want to tear down the church. I know you're not wanting to tear anybody's heart down. So together we get to partner with Christ, the King of glory. Here's the cool thing. Jesus said that he would send a helper. And he has. He said he had to go so that the helper could come. And he did. And the helper is the one who lives inside of us and scripture says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us have you thought about that deeply the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead so those areas of our life that are dead he brings life to those situations that look gloomy I remember I, I got a prophecy one time I was uh, actually this is the prophecy that set me on course to ministry um, It was really weird. I was in Pennsylvania. I'd never been around anything prophetic in my life. And this guy stops drumming in a huge church, a couple thousand people, and he walks down and he prophesies over me that my name would now be called Pastor and my family would follow after him. My family were a mess. They were drug addicts, alcoholics, just a horrible mess. Then my mom got saved. Then my mom died of cancer, but my sister got saved. Her kids got saved. My brother got saved. All this stuff that looked impossible can happen. That's because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is within us. And finally, 1 Corinthians 11, he says, but Jesus tells me this. This is what Paul says. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we are more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment." When you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in sin. This, uh, this meal allows for the inner work to happen. The last thing I want to say is he said that examine yourself. I want to tell you that he's not saying look within to see your sin because you don't have to look very far. Don't do that. It's not what he's saying when he says examine ourselves. He says look within and see Christ. The communion is about Jesus. So don't look within and go, I feel so bad, I'm going to take this bread. No, look within and go, without you, Jesus, and that's what communion is. It's a celebration. Without you, I'm a hot mess. But with you, power and glory. So let's take that together. And I also felt led uh, to do this as a body, as one body. We may be two different church, but we're part of the same movement in the same body, following the same Christ in the same community. Amen. Let's bring power to that. And we'll see God move here in Edgewood, Milton, Fife, Federal Way, Auburn, Puyallup. There's many people in those cities that need to hear the hope of glory. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. As we go ahead and pass out the elements, I just ask God that this wouldn't be a ritual in any of our lives. Many of us have taken communion so many times, but I pray that something new and fresh would happen today. Something new and fresh in our heart. I love you, Lord. I thank you for putting Hope Church and Life Spring Church in the same area. I don't believe anything happens without you. You set this up. Even in, in even in mistakes, you're the one who works it out. So you've kept us here, and we're going to say whatever it is, Father, that you want to do, we're going to partner with you to do. Father, we just invite you here. We're so thankful for your son. As you get a cup, just let your heart be still and just look at every area where you can say, Christ, I invite you in right there. I invite you right there, Jesus.